Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Jolly, bringing the best of my Times radio show. Don't forget you can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1, on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, and download the Times radio app so you'll never miss it. Uh, right, coming up on today's episode then, it's a Wednesday, so it must be PMQs, but no PM today. Uh, Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer attending Betty Boothroyd's funeral, uh, the speaker who died, the former speaker who died a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so it's the deputies, it's Dominic Raab versus Angela Rayness, that's coming up in just a moment. Uh, Tim Shipman and I pausing the action. Uh, before that though, uh, as we always do, we kick off with our columnist panel on a Wednesday. Must be Halibut. The Columnists with Alibert, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. Very good morning to Alibert. It's morning, Alice Thompson. Morning. Uh, morning, Robert Crampton. Morning, Matt Chorley. Nice to have you. <laughs> See, nobody does that. I always give everyone else's full name. Nobody always says that. Uh, anyway, it's nice, mm. to, nice to both here. Um, yeah. We are... Let's talk about gambling. There's an amazing story this week about William Hill being fined a record £19.2 million by the Gambling Commission for widespread and alarming social responsibility and anti-money laundering failures. I mean, it's pretty bad. And Alice, you've written your, your column about it, about just how... Well, of, of the many stats which really leapt out for me in your column today, the fact that the British gambling industry is bigger than America. That's what's extraordinary. So I didn't realise we had the biggest online gambling industry in the world. We are very good at it, and that is because we're so liberal. So in 2005, when we had... Do you remember Tessa Jowell laid mm. across a um, roulette mm. wheel? Mm. And super casino. So we all worried. So I wrote lots of articles mm. about we were going to have these terrible super casinos and everyone was going to be dragged into that. Actually, what happened is two years later, we all went online. And then because yeah. we were so liberal, everyone came to Britain. And we have made billions and billions out of things like Bet365 and a lot of... And William Hill and a lot of these companies have made vast amounts of money, in fact, nearly 10 billion a year. And the government mm. also does it out of uh, taxation, so they get 3.7 billion a year. Isn't it? I think the biggest taxpayer in the country is that woman who does Bet365. Yeah, Denise. In, in yes. Stoke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's rather yeah. extraordinary, but they, yeah. I mean, they all make money and, and they are good. Some of them do pay their taxes now. They used to all be in Gibraltar, but they've come yeah. back home. They think they were told to. But I do think it's extraordinary that we've let it happen. And actually, there are very few. Um, sort of halts to, to gambling online, which is what's happened with William Hill. He's been done for it. But I do think what I mind about is that you're getting, you know, a person a day on average killing themselves because mm, yeah. they've got gambling debts. And that is appalling that it can just be really ruinous and that ruins families as well. And the, the, the story that came out this week, Robert, was about people, somebody spent like £20,000, £29,000 in 20 minutes. Because they just kept... Yeah. Just kept th- so the, the, the point yeah. is it'd be quite... Particularly on an app, because it's not you're not relying on someone in a, in a casino to no, spot I mean, a the, problem. But on an app, you can just see... Oh, you, you seem to have won up quite a lot of losses yeah. there. Maybe we should cap that. No, I mean, people, it's a completely sort of joyless activity as well. I mean, mm. people my age think of gambling as having a flutter on the national or, or yeah. whatever, or, uh, or, 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 or or sort of sad guys in betting shops. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that anymore. It's almost entirely online where you can't really police it mm. and where it's, 
it, I fail to understand it because it seems to me like an utter. I can totally understand going to a horse race and getting excited and backing backing a horse, and but I cannot understand just sort of joylessly, uh, re- repetitively, uh, yeah. flushing money away online yeah. with no thrill whatsoever as far as I can see like those people you see in the slot machines in Las Vegas looking thoroughly miserable but at least I mean even with that at least yeah. you get the yeah yeah, yeah you're getting, a, you're getting you know, some sort of sen- some sensory sort of thing, thing. Yeah. and if you get a bit weird people worse. come over and pat you on the back and... well in the pandemic it got much worse that's yeah, the problem course, so if you look yeah. at the stats actually particularly women started gambling um, and women hadn't that much before uh-huh. so you get that and then two thirds of students now gamble yeah. regularly yeah that was amazing so stuff. a lot of the young are gambling so there's it, it has gone up drastically yeah. and I think that's the other problem so they do need to have some sort of control over it's got to be all sorts of clampdowns. I mean, you've made lots of suggestions. I mean, yeah. I think the big one is football. Whenever I watch live football and Ray Winston comes on yeah. and start and urges you to, I mean, if effectively lose money because I mean, no, does anybody believe that they're going to they make money gambling? I mean, well, I suppose the problem maybe this, you know with students, everyone yeah. knows the story about the person who won. Well, yeah, and then and yeah. nobody talks yeah. about when yeah. they lost. Because I mean, it's embarrassing. It's so, completely logical. I mean, yeah. bookmakers would not exist if, yeah. if if gambling was profitable to to punters. But then a lot of so, people that you meet who've actually had real problems often end up being teachers or being math students who think they know probabilities. So the guy yeah. that you you the guy you start your column with was a math teacher. Yeah. yeah, so he was a math teacher in a West London school, and he ended up under the flyover in a tent and by the canal. And I think that's yeah. rather extraordinary yeah. that he knew exactly what he was getting into, but he couldn't stop himself. And I think that is the problem. It's so yeah. And addictive. then it was on the spiral, isn't it? It's like, oh, I've lost a load of money, mm. but if I just have one big win, I'll yeah. sort of that. I mean, the only game you can actually win at is 21, where, and then if, you get, if you're sufficiently mathematical and you can have a system, but then what happens is the casinos just ban you. Yeah. So it's rigged. The whole thing's rigged. Uh, so there obviously ought to be there ought to be clamp down. So I mean, Times has done some good work on this. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a we did a thing about the fixed odds uh, betting terminals. Yeah, the, the adverts and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah which we got it down from a hundred. One of my first front pages of the Times yeah. was about uh, got it down uh, from... a long promised. You know, and yeah. the point you make as well, Alice. Is so many ministers have been responsible for this. We've had twelve ministers in the last six years responsible. So I don't think they actually know what they're yeah. doing. I don't even know they are responsible. So. I think it is very difficult, but we've now got Lucy Fraser, who is the Secretary of State for Culture, and she's really involved in it, and she's met some of the people who've lost yeah. relatives, and I think she might push the white paper forward, because the white paper's been put back four times yeah. now. Well, we should uh, say that with the William Hill's now parent company, 888, said the settlement relates to the period when women in William Hill was under the previous ownership and management. After William Hill was acquired, the company quickly addressed the identified issues with the implementation of a rigorous action plan. Although um, Gambling Commission uh, actually said yesterday they, they did go as far as actively considering taking their licence mm. off them altogether. Mm. Maybe that... Part of the problem is that they actually they make most of their money out of the problem gamblers. So yeah. the people who are just going to do it a couple of times a year yeah, or once stat, a month. And they, yeah, and they grew, the stat they, that you had? The, the two, five percent of people? Yeah, three-fifths yeah. are from the from the very small amount of people yeah. who, who gamble yeah, yeah. the whole time. And then, think, so they have to have the addicts. Otherwise, then they they're, grew, And they groom them. They groom them with VIP. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. like Vegas giving you comp, comping... Uh, High rollers in hotels yeah. and so yeah, and free they, tickets. They, yeah, they give them free tickets and give them free bets and get them, keep them, keep them hooked. I've never, I've never got into it. Okay. No, I've many vices, but that is not one of them. Yeah, yeah. My youngest son's quite into it. Actually, I have to say, and that you can see, it suddenly mm. panicked me. I was thinking, you know, it's quite funny when you're doing it occasionally on the football, but he watches a lot of football, and there is a lot of betting advertising yeah. on that football. Mm. Yeah, I mean, occasionally I put like five pounds on a politics thing, and it's I've never won. So mm, yeah, I wish I put some on the election because I called the election. Bang on, but very annoying. Yeah. But didn't. No. It's good story. We could do a bet on what Rob's going to dress up as next. Good story. (laughs) Um, Let's let's move on. Uh, Let's talk. So on the show uh, yesterday, uh, we had uh, Danny Finkelstein in Hemi's FML. uh, And we were... Oh, no, it wasn't. We were talking about the big thing yesterday. We were talking about the State of the Labour Party. And I played these two clips. So this is Keir Starmer talking about Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, during the Labour leadership contest in 2020, and then him talking about Jeremy Corbyn just last month. I want to pay tribute to Jeremy Corbyn, who led our party through some really difficult times, who energised our movement, and who's a friend as well as a colleague. Let me be very clear about that. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn will not stand for Labour at the next general election as a Labour Party candidate. Uh, What I said about the party changing... I meant, and we are not going back. Yeah, quite mm. a contrast there. So then we got an email from a listener, Ray, who uh, emailed in saying, regarding the big thing, interestingly, you could play two clips of Sunak, only six months apart, talking about Boris Johnson and get the same stark difference as you've shown with Keir Starmer and Corbyn. 
Uh, he said, Sunak cannot wait to get rid of uh, get rid himself of Johnson, I submit. Great programme, by the way. Oh, wait, I've went out some praise now. Anyway, is Ray right? Let's have a listen. This is Rishi Sunak when he was running for the leadership last summer and then talking last week. Boris Johnson is one of the most remarkable people I have ever met. And whatever some commentators may say, he has a good heart. Boris Johnson's allies say that this whole process is unfair, that it's, it's a witch hunt. Do you agree? Look, that, that's ultimately something for Boris Johnson and he'll have the committee process to go through and that's a matter for Parliament. That's not what I'm focused on. Mm. And we've had quite a lot of Rishi Sunak. Richard Sharp was appointed by someone completely different. It's nothing to do with me. I was only the Chancellor. You yeah. know, there's quite a lot of him sort of distancing. He hasn't gone quite so far as to t- kick Boris Johnson out altogether. Um, should we be surprised that, that party leaders uh, say, or politicians say one thing to become party leader and then say something else also there? No. We, should, <laughs> no, we shouldn't be surprised. It's in the nature of, a, of having a leader, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, I think the interesting thing about the... Uh, the Starmer thing is, I think he was paying tribute having become leader. Yes. Uh, so he didn't, the, ne- the necessity to grovel uh, was no longer there. So that is a... That, that well, Rishi Sunak was addressing the criticism that he knifed Boris yes. Johnson. Yeah, although Boris yeah. Johnson is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. It's like when you, if your friend has a, an art <laughs> exhibition and they, they ask you for your comments and you say it's astonishing. <laughs> Truly astonishing work. Yeah. yeah? So remarkable... That can be covered in a multitude yeah, yeah. of things. I mean, it I mean, is true that Boris Johnson yeah. is one of the he, most remarkable he, people. Indeed, yeah. 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 The so, big heart bit's a bit different, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, I mean, that's, that's got, you know... A good heart. A good heart. Quite a lot of girlfriends, it's, I think. Isn't that, 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 that over? It? Yeah. He's got his heart um, to lots of people. Yeah, I think it's very unfair to play black those clips in some ways. I think we all do it, don't we? The, you know, one moment you're with your friends and you're like, it's all absolutely fantastic and wonderful and aren't we having a great time? And the next moment, you know, um, yeah. everyone changes their mind. I mean, it? anyone working in a hierarchical new, uh, organisation yes. like a newspaper, for instance, yes. which or, is or very... Or radio station. <laughs> yeah, where there's a, there's a boss. No, your show is and absolutely then, remarkable. And then the boss, <laughs> and then the boss changes. Yeah. People make little adjustments, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean... Well, that's probably enough of that before we all get into trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, many, many years ago, I went to Hastings to uh, be trained in journalism. I know, I'm trained, it's extraordinary. Uh, one of the things that I had to do was pass my 100 words per minute shorthand. Well, some new research out this week shows that uh, journalists training these days, just 17% of people, are getting their 100 words a minute shorthand. So who better uh, to uh, discuss the sad demise of shorthand in journalism than my old shorthand teacher, uh, Sylvia Bennett. Sylvia, uh, welcome to Times Radio. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. This is an outrage, isn't it, Sylvia? The hours I spent slaving over my T-line outlines. But you see, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I think probably at the moment we're living in an instant you Google things now. You don't have to go trawling through reference books. So I think we're used to being able to get anything, everything instantly. And it's possibly those hours that you had to spend <laughs> that are the put-off. Because so let's um, face it, you did have to do it. It was I, I put the hours in, Sylvia, which is why I got my 100 words a minute, which other people um, did not. Um, explain why you think having shorthand is important. I think it's really important because... Um, You want to be taking your notes accurately. Years ago, when I was a PA, I made a real dreadful mistake while I worked for Fords, purely because I didn't have accurate notes. And I sent confidential information to somebody who shouldn't have had it. Oh, wow. So I think (laughs) it is really, really important. Times change, but at one time you couldn't even go and take the notes in court recorded. You've got to do them by shorthand. And also, the big thing that anyone who's ever taped something, whether it's, you know, a meeting or, uh, like you said, a court case or something else, comes, the trouble with the tape is you've then got to go back all the way through it again, looking for um, the key bit, whereas doing your shorthand, um, you know, it's all just there. You can flick through pages much more quickly than you can flick through it, the tape. Ex- exactly. I, I totally agree. You just uh, flick through the pages, you're there. You can just read it straight away. So um, what I thought, because it's been a while, although I do still use my shot, I use it on the radio because if I'm, you know, following a debate or that sort of thing, I need to make quick notes. Could you do me some 100 words a minute and I'll see if I, how I get on? I've got a, it's part of an old NCTJ paper. It's about Perfect. a sprinkler system in schools. Great. I'm already worried about how I'm going to do sprinkler system. 
I'm going to make a mess of it. Right. Um, so go on. Then. Give, it, give it to me in a hundred words a minute, and I'll I'll have a go at writing it down. What, what do you want? About half a minute. Yeah, okay go. then. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for coming to this meeting. I am Peter Black, the county's chief fire officer. I welcome local councillors to this meeting, along with our member of parliament. I am here to talk about the fire which totally destroyed the senior school. First of all, I want to express my sympathy to the staff and pupils of the school. Oh, that's so stressful, Sylvia. I'm right back in Hastings <laughs> again. I started off all right, and then it was get it right. Let me see if I can read. Look, there's, there is my, um, you see. I I'm, can see it, yes. Yeah, there we are. Right. See if I can. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for coming to this meeting. I'm Peter Black, the county's chief fire officer. I welcome local local councillors to this meeting, along with our member of parliament. I am here to tell, to talk, to talk, talk about the fire, which totally destroyed the senior school first of all i want to express my sympathy to the staff and pupils of the school perfect yeah i've still got it i've still got it so i've still i've still got it i've still got it sylvia um and, and do yours how are your students doing do they still enjoy uh or is it, it do they, they, i mean i suppose if they're coming to you for it it's because they know there's still some value in it or are they being sent because they've gotten to there's a bit of both. I think yeah. I think with students, there's always a bit of both. Some people just see it as a necessity and they knuckle down and do it. Other people, you know, are a bit less so. <laughs> I always I was liken it to sport, you know, at the Olympics. The, the people that win the gold medals are the people who put in the personal effort. Yeah, but all those evenings in Hastings paid off. Uh, Sylvia, yeah. thank you so much. Almost, I think, no, it is over 20 years ago you taught me with your hand. It, it still definitely got is. It. it was the early 2000s, it wasn't was, it? It was like 2002. Uh, Sylvia, thank you so much. It's really thank, good to Thank you, you, Matt. Well, listening to that, Albert, <laughs> Alice Thomas and Robert Crampton, so you, you had a go. Uh, how did you get on Can we just the say show? first, yeah. Matt, that you really sucked up to your teachers, don't yeah. you think? He was yeah, good. Totally. Well, you were one was, of those real I was like an Olympian goodies. who <laughs> yeah. put in the hours. Yeah. He got a gold yes, medal. Gold he got medal. a gold medal. We yeah. were impressed. Yeah. But I did get it down, but I don't think I can read the whole thing back. And I think Robert just memorised it. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I just, I'm just actually torpedoed the whole art of shorthand because I got that down without using any shorthand. What, in longhand? Well, just sort of my own, you know, made-up shorthand, right. which I've been using sure for years. Would, I'm not sure that would work in court. Uh, no, but I don't have to... Yeah, it was no. roughly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's pretty Guilty, right. not yeah. guilty, no, something no, like that. Peter Black, two. chief what? fire officer, totally destroyed. <laughs> Commiserations to everyone who... Well, Robert and I worked out we had the same teacher. Yeah, But neither of us did very well, I Well, not a very good one. You needed Sylvia. <laughs> I'd stopped after a few... I got up to about 70 words, I think, and then I got offered a job, so I just stopped. And presumably when you do interviews, there's sort of long magazine interviews, you tape it. Well, exactly, because you can't... Because it's a different thing. Isn't yeah, it? I always tape thing. it. And actually, you don't really want to take many notes because then it distracts them and they really... Yeah, yeah. you're, you're about building a... If you uh, start writing down, they're like, oh, what have yeah. I said now? Yeah. And you're you trying to build a rapport. too, as well. Yeah. You're trying to build a rapport mm. and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't, it's not <laughs> any use for that. The sort of shallow end of journalism yeah. that we're at. Yeah, it doesn't really. It is really quite good though if it's raining necessary. and you're wandering around after someone, like Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. yeah, and you got your pencil. I do that when I, I still do it when I go and do reporting jobs, but it's a sort of it's a kind of bastardized version of shorthand, I suppose. And I suppose that because the, the, the key thing with like taping something, particularly if you go under like a select committee or whatever, mm. is you end up with, like an hour or two. No, that hours, is a complete. You're trying to find your that thing, is a complete but pain. you do want the yeah. The I'd key only points. I only do taping now for sit down interviews mm, yeah. where you've got to get the quotes bang on and where you've got I have eye contact. Yeah, when we do those really quick four. 100 worders yeah. and you have to do them in half an no, hour then you just take down because yeah, yeah. 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 I do I do use it on the on the show the whole, so when we do PMQs a bit later on I um I will use shorthand to write down what they say yeah. just the key bits so that I can refer back also the yeah. children are impressed so if I use yeah. shorthand they're like it's, it's a cool a, skill isn't it it's been a long time since I've impressed a group of people <laughs> in a pub yeah. uh, with shorthand maybe I should start doing that I think again. you should I think it's just sort of one of those kind of quite cool yeah. skills they'll be able to do card tricks or something <laughs> and about as much use <laughs> Bit of magic. <laughs> yeah. Bit of close-up magic and a bit of shorthand. Yeah. 
And there's Thompson and Robert Crampton there. And of course, you can read the both in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is Deputy PMQ's Unpacked. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Ah, we say. No deputies here, we've got the real deal. Uh, Tim Shipman's here, how are you? I'm very well indeed. I was very impressed by that Lib Dem stunt. Much better than when they just knocked a hole in a wall with a tiny little hammer. <laughs> so they're coming on. I don't know if we can, we... can we show the people watching on the YouTube channel? So we might be able to do that. We might be able to do that. See if we can... Uh, uh, so, yeah, if you want to see the, the clip, get on the YouTube channel. We'll show that to you in a moment. Obviously, no Ed Davey at PMQs. Uh, not just because they don't get a question, but because it's deputies. Uh, what do we think, Angela Vaynerchuk? You haven't asked me who the deputy leader of the Lib Dems is at this point. Um, it is Daisy Cooper. Oh, there we okay. are. Uh, what do you think Angela Vader might go on today at PMQs? Do you know, I've been racking my brains about this and I'm struggling, which is why I started off by talking about uh, the Lib Dems. Mm. Um, I mean, it seems unlikely they'll go on Raab's own sort of area of expertise, justice. Um, I mean, Stalmer has had a go about the migration stuff before. It could be that uh, Labour feeling a little bit triggered by the prospect of migrants on various... Uh, objects, objects, unseaworthy vessels, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, particularly because Dominic Raab, when he was on Sky this morning, didn't seem hugely enthusiastic about the barges. Well, that may be a way of driving a little bit of a wedge yeah. between uh, different parts of the government. That's always a good tactic. Um, I just wonder if it's one of those weeks where, you know, they might... If, if Starmer were there, you'd say it was a good week to just sort of take a step back and try and frame the local elections and yeah. say, there's all these things going wrong, why do you trust this lot? Um, with Rainer, I suspect she'll try and have some fun. It would be slightly curious if no-one mentioned the fact that Dominic Raab is still under investigation uh, for multiple uh, uh, counts of, of bullying. Um, we still don't have the result of that. Um but I suspect if anybody's going to get bullied today, it's probably going to be Dominic Raab by Angela Rayner. <laughs> Will he wink? That's the big question. Well, yes. The, the, as ever with these two, the slightly sinister uh, sexual subtext is uh, <laughs> always something that uh, is worth looking out for. Uh, so, uh, if you are watching along on the YouTube channel, let us know where you are. Uh, we've got Michael. He's in Melbourne. Uh, afternoon. Evening. Evening, Michael. Uh, John, ahoy from the heart of Sherwood Forest. Uh, Jonathan's in Guildford. Uh, Catherine says, will Rob wink today? Uh, Richard says, I really hope not, wrong on so many levels. Um, uh, so we'll see uh, see uh, what actually comes. Oh, Carl says, I discovered Times Radio a couple of years ago now. It's a breath of fresh air. It really is. Well, that's nice, isn't it? There we are. I wonder if Rob should just make this winking thing his thing. He should just do it every time. And just do a lot of winking. It just can become a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they're going... I mean, both parties seem to think that electoral success lies in talking about crime. I mean, is it crime weak... Is it number 10's crime week? We seem to be getting a crime announcement. Yeah, I mean, the way it's been going recently, it reminds me a little bit of the referendum campaign where they said it was turkey week every week, and uh, <laughs> this feels a bit like it's crime week every week at yeah. the moment. Um, yeah, it's the one bit of sort of crusty, vaguely right-wing policy that Labour is always happy to lean into because yeah. a, a lot of their That's traditional the voters, voters are, are yeah. the people who are affected by... Um, uh, by crime um, and you know the Tories if they're not winning on crime haven't got much else left you know traditionally they would expect to be ahead on the economy and on crime um, and if they see Labour stealing their clothes they'll bash back harder well here we go then but let's find out let's stop speculating about what Angela Wayne is going to do and we can find out this is Deputy PMQ's Unpacked live on Times Radio and on the Times Radio YouTube channel this is question number one from Angela Wayne. Deputy Leader of the Opposition Angela Rayner. Thank you, my 
Madam Deputy Speaker, and welcome back into the chair. And can I share the Deputy Prime Minister's words on our Baroness and our thoughts with her family today? And I'm sure the whole House will join me also in paying tribute to Paul O'Grady after his sad death was announced today. He was a national treasure and a true Northern star, and he will be greatly missed. Madam Deputy Speaker, this week the Government announced their so-called anti-social behaviour policy. It's only taken 13 years. And look, I'll give him some credit. The Deputy Prime Minister knows firsthand the misery caused by thugs and their intimidating behaviour. Lurking women in it. Exploding in fits of rage, creating a culture of fear and maybe even, I don't know, throwing things. So can I ask him, under his new anti-social behaviour, does he think more bullies will be brought to justice? Madam Deputy Speaker, I can reassure the House I've never called anyone scum. Which of course Angela Rayner did at Labour Conference a couple of years ago, talked about Tory scum. Dominic Raab giving uh, Aguilera his hardest best there, there. No winks there. But, but if the right honourable lady is serious about standing up for communities and people who suffer at the scourge of antisocial behaviour, she'd back our plan to deal more swiftly uh, with these issues, to make sure that we ban drugs beyond the conventional ones, give police the powers they need. And if they really, if they really want to protect the public, they'll back our plans for parole reform to make sure the murderers, the terrorists, the child killers are not allowed out free to, to threaten other people and reintroduce the ministerial veto that that side Took away. Oh, we had in there. So uh, we should have explained at the very beginning the reason that uh, Keir Starmer and uh, Richard Sunak aren't there is because they're attending the funeral of Betty Boothford, which I think is also why Lindsay Hoyle isn't there, um, which was the Baroness that Andrew Rayner was talking about, and then paid tribute to Paul O'Grady as well. Um, and then just straight in, bringing together the two threads. And we have to say it was quite a good opening. It was question. quite a good gag. I it mean, as, a good an, as an opening gambit, it was as good as anything that Paul O'Grady would have probably managed on the same. Subject, uh, cracking down on antisocial behaviour and uh, under these plans, will more bullies be brought to justice? Yeah, and then Rob sort of responds with his pre-prepared line, which, you know, fair enough, uh, Raina uh, got, has got herself in hot water over the years for rather intemperate outbursts. But he did manage to say it in a way that was sinister enough that you could then believe that he's yeah. sometimes sinister, which was... If lasers had come out of his eyes, slightly then, ruining uh, the effect it would have... Yeah, just it almost looked like the. It, I've like the, never called anyone. It looked like scum. it would have looked like the uh, the video had frozen had it not been for Jeremy Hunt laughing in the background and the slight ticking of the vein in his the neck. vein, the vein, the vein having a slight uh, tweak. Um, and then and then, but then I suppose that the risk for for her going off on this is that she just gives Dominic Rather the chance. It is his brief. He does know his stuff. He rattled through a whole load of things, and and he got to repeat his big announcement today, which is reintroducing the ministerial veto on serious offenders and how ministers can block them being released. I think that's all correct. And if she does six questions on it, I'm sure he'll um, uh, have every opportunity. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if she does, though. I suspect we'll keep moving. I, I, I wouldn't be... Uh, but let's see if she gets on to the shortages of tomatoes and whether that affected him, given that he's accused of throwing them at junior civil servants. Uh, right, let's go back there. Let, uh, let us know what you think uh, in the uh, in the comments on the, um, on the YouTube channel. She's always worth the money. Love her, says Wendy. Ouch, says Elaine. Uh, Hunt is enjoying this, says Robert. Uh, uh, she's so much better than this, uh, this than Starmer. Uh, several people saying that. Uh, let us know what you think. Get online to the Times Radio YouTube channel. You can watch along uh, live. We go back to the House of Commons. Question number two from Angela Rayner. Madam Deputy Speaker, I'd like to see the ministerial code being introduced yep. under day two on that side of the House because it's not just his department where antisocial behaviour is running out of control, it's happening across the country. Police officers disappearing from our streets, replaced by criminals, plaguing our towns and leaving people feeling unsafe. The truth is that the Conservatives are missing in action in the fight against crime. So can he tell his constituents and the public why, after 13 years of his party in government, there are now 6,000 fewer neighbourhood police officers on Britain's streets? Madam Deputy Speaker, she really does have a brass neck because they voted against our funding of police recruitment and the 20,000 extra... 
to the police officers. But what I will tell her and the whole House is crime is lower than it was under the last Labour government. Violent crime is halved. Reoffending is seven percentage points lower. And if she really wants to stand up for the public and the victims of crime, they should back our bill to protect victims and protect the most vulnerable from serious serious killers, rapists and terrorists. Well, got brass neck there. Um... Again, it's just he doesn't, you know, he probably knows all this stuff. He doesn't need to turn to the folds. No, exactly. There's uh, no frantic flicking through. He's uh, he's on top of it. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure we're any much further forward after after that. Um, is that? I mean, the, I mean, the policing because isn't it a deadline? Is it for the end of this month and the next month as opposed to have got the twenty thousand extra police officers, oh. which they love to talk about, but obviously all they're doing is replacing the twenty thousand that the coalition. That's right. And Cut. don't forget, this is a hugely, became a hugely iconic issue in both of the last two general election mm. campaigns. In 2017, um, you know, we had two terrorist attacks during the campaign and the Tories, who would normally expect to be solid on that stuff, got rather outflanked even by Jeremy Corbyn, who um, hammered them over police cuts um, and, you know, came quite close to winning that election. And then in 2019, when there was an attack on London Bridge again, um, Boris Johnson's crew were, were not going to make the same mistake twice and, uh, you know, came out very hard with, with a big crackdown on, on, on all of that and, and, you know, properly put their backs behind, uh, you know, more commitments to police officers. But as you rightly observe, you know, they're getting back to somewhere that they were before. And um, if that isn't sorted, then, you know, you can see Starmer, who's obviously got a crime background himself, having been a, you know, former boss of the... Uh, uh, of the prosecution service. Is um, he? He's, he doesn't mention I that. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, but, it, you know, this would be a gift to him, is what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, he wouldn't even have to shoehorn it into conversation. It would just be there, wouldn't it? Um, uh, lots of you... Uh, lots of you are enjoying Angela Wayne today. Angela is indeed a better orator than Keir, says Carl. Uh, uh, Dominic Rob is basically a James Bond villain. Uh... <laughs> I love Ange, says someone on the text. Uh, 87222, uh, start the message with the word Tom if you want to get in touch. Or do post comments on the uh, YouTube channel. We go back then to the House of Commons. Question number three from Angela Rayner. Speaker, no one believes that there's more police on the streets and no one feels safer. Neighbourhood policing has gone down and not up. Let's talk about crime. He knows, as well as I do, that neighbourhood police can help prevent antisocial behaviour and knife crime. But trusted local police are also crucial to protecting women. Women feel unsafe on Britain's streets, always looking over our shoulder as we hurry to our front door. So can he tell me, under his watch as Justice Secretary, what is the charge rate for rape? Can I address all of those elements of that? And first of all say that the issue of rape and serious sexual violence against women is one of our top priorities. She She asked what we're doing about it. Since 2019, police referrals of cases are doubled. CPS charges have doubled. She asked asked on my watch what has happened. The volume of convictions in rape cases has increased by two-thirds. And if she really wants to protect vulnerable women, whether it's rapists uh, or from rapists or other serious crimes, they will back our parole reforms, which will mean ministers able to prevent uh, them being released onto the public and cause more threats. Um, it's interesting, this debate about crime falling, crime down, crime up, there, there were two sets of statistics which there basically indeed. suit both sides. And they vary depending on whether you're in government or opposition. Yes. But the official crime figures are one thing, and then the British Crime Survey is the other, um, which tends to record people's sort of um, experience of crime. And that, I think, is generally regarded as sort of a more reliable uh, kind of guide to how people feel about these things than the numbers, which can go up or down a bit depending on whether people are bothering to report things. Um, um, so... And you get Labour and Tory grasping one or other of these sets exactly. of figures, so what is, so, depending so, on which direction they're going in and whether they're in government or opposition. So I'm just looking at um, something from 2020, so from last October, so not a, a million years ago. Uh, and at that point, the uh, the um, crime survey for England and Wales showed that uh, burglary, robbery and firearms-enabled crime, among others, were falling compared to just before the pandemic. 
And I suppose, whereas uh, for some of those offences, they're going up in terms of things reported to the police, but what you want is people to report to the police. Um, and it's the gap between people who experience crime uh, but don't necessarily report it to uh, police. So both sides can latch onto figures. It's why one side can be right to say that the figures show it's going up and the other side can also be correct to say it's going down. Well, I'm pretty sure we're about to hear some different figures from Angela Rayner. I think you could probably be right, but let's find out. Uh, we'll go back then uh, to the House of Commons. Matt Charlie and Tim Shipman with Deputy PMQs Unpacked. Uh, we go back to the House of Commons. Question number four from Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. He says that rape conviction has gone up. What he really means is that 300 women will be raped today while he boasts about an increase of 0.5%. He hasn't answered my question, Madam Deputy Speaker, because he's too ashamed of the answer. 1.6% of rapists based being charged for their crime. 1.6%. Let that sink in. A woman goes through the worst experience of her life. She summons up the courage to relive that horrendous experience, to tell the police in detail about her assault. But she only has a 1.6% chance of action being taken. Over 98% of rapists will never see the inside of a courtroom, let alone a prison. And the rest of those brave women, Madam Deputy Speaker... They keep looking over their shoulders and hope the perpetrator doesn't choose tonight to take their revenge for reporting the incident to the police. In the last 13 years of the Tory government, more than half a million cases of rape have been recorded by the police. But the charge rate for those attacks have collapsed. He has served under five Tory Prime Ministers and had three years as Justice Minister. And on his watch, rapists are left to roam the streets. So will he apologise to those victims who will never get justice because of his failures? I'll first of all say to the right honourable lady, the conviction rate measured by the CPS, the leader of the Labour Party used to be in charge of the CPS, he might want to point this out, well actually... The, the, the conviction rate has gone up. It is now at 69%. We are doing much more to support the victims of rape when they come forward. We're, well, they're talking a good game. In fact, we have quadrupled funding for victims since 2010. And if she looks at the latest data, the time it's taken from charge to completion of a rape case has come down by... Come, come down by 10 weeks or 70% in the last three months alone. She should get her facts straight, particularly when talking about such a sensitive issue. Well, I mean, it was pretty impassioned stuff. From, yeah, that was uh, punchy right and, Proper, and very effective. angry, and I expect that, yeah. you know... So, again, I think we're talking about different stats here. So she says 1.6% of rapists face being charged. He says 69% conviction rate. Now... My reading of that is that's 69% of the 1.6. Well, I think it's 69% of the ones that get to court. Yeah. The so point you... being, if you get into court, there's now, they're now, the courts are much better at getting testimony from yeah. witnesses. They're much better at looking after the victims. They're much better at not putting them in a room with the person that accuses of, yeah. uh, of, of raping them. Um, they're getting more convictions. The, the point Rayner's making is that a lot of stuff never gets anywhere Doesn't near get a court, this, yeah. courtroom. So Sometimes, if only 1% of cases lead to a charge... Exactly. It's great if 69% now, of those charged lead to a conviction, but there's... These are let's be frank. These are complicated cases. Sometimes there are grey areas um, uh, about what's happened, and getting evidence is quite difficult. And um, and let's be also honest that a lot of women start that process and then find it a terrible ordeal and don't actually want to pursue it. Ends up Um, having to relive it. But there is definitely a sort of gender imbalance in all this stuff. Um, I think anyone who has uh, female friends or wives or sisters knows that this is, you know, what Angela Rayner is talking about there, about walking along the street and wondering whether you've got to look over your shoulder or whether you need to cross to the other path. Strategizing how to get home safely is a big part of most women's lives and I don't think a lot of men understand that or appreciate it. And, um, you know, I thought she was extremely effective in, in her questioning. But, you know, Rob, to be fair, is on top of his brief... Um, he, he answered that in a, in a you know, an effective but sober way. And, um, you know, I think, ironically, this is, we're sort of, 
which is quite a good session, really. It is quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which seems to be what uh, lots of people are saying on uh, on the Times Radio YouTube channel as well. Uh, go, Angela. She's just warming up. Uh, someone pointing out, uh, Dominic Rob saying they're talking a good game. But that's a compliment, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's essentially, you know, he inadvertently complimented her on uh, duffing him up. Uh, and then uh, somebody saying if you... At a charge rate of 1.6% means a man could could carry out 43 rapes before there's a 50-50 chance he'll face a charge. If you put it into that context, that's, look, that is uh, extraordinary. But we've still got two more questions to go. So let's go back to the House of Commons. This is question number five from Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Madam Deputy Speaker, he won't apologise for the government failures on charge rates. And 69% of 1.6%. Is that really something to boast about? Let me ask him about an issue which is directly his responsibility. On his watch, rape survivors are waiting on average more than three years for their cases to come to court. The Honourable Member talked about ten-week reduction. Three years, Deputy uh, Deputy Leader. Three years. So ten weeks is not anything to boast about. Those three years from the day of the assault to the final day of court. Is it any wonder that from April till September last year, 175 trials for rape and other serious sexual offences have had to be dropped because the victim could no longer cope with the delay. So let me ask him, when will he apologise to all those women denied justice because of his failure to keep to sort the court backlog? Well, she ignores the impact on the court backlog of the pandemic or indeed the CBA strike. But let me tell her what we're doing. Let me tell you what we're doing. We've quadrupled funding for victims since 2010, quadrupled the funding provided by the last Labour government. We launched the 24-7 support line so that when those victims of that appalling crime come forward, they get the support they need. We've increased the number of independent sexual violence advisers uh, to over 1,000, and we're making sure that women uh, that suffer this appalling crime can give pre-recorded evidence in court. We're doing everything that we can, and as I said, uh, the, the rates are coming down. Uh, and we will keep uh, uh, taking action. Is she really, if the Labour Party were really serious about this, they wouldn't have voted against longer sentences for dangerous, violent and sexual offenders in the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act, and she would get behind our Victims and Prisoner Bill today. It's interesting that that she's fallen back on the the tactic of will you apologise, but then when you've got MPs shouting out as well, and he's rattling off statistics and hotlines and all that. It does. It's clearly a terrible situation. Yes. And you don't want to fall into the trap, which he's, I'd say Dominic Raab is just on the edge of, of trying to make it sound like everything's hunky dory. Yes. I thought, well, he's, you know, he's defending his position. Um, but uh, as we know, uh, he's not Mr. Empathy. And yeah. that's coming through a little bit now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, uh, I, I also wonder whether he, um, thinks to just keep stonewalling this, just keep repeating the lines and nothing will come of it. But I, th- I actually think her earlier challenges is the sort of thing that is going to be on, will probably make the news, will go all over social media. And his response will be very easy to clip up and make look like you're actually yeah, even look, less sensitive. And it also plays a little bit into the reputation he's already got for being a bit sort of cold and yeah. uh, and a bit, you know, sort of technocratic rather than uh, one of those politicians who uh, empathises with the victim. Lots of you, loads of you are uh, following this on the uh, on the YouTube channel, showing that uh, uh, Angela Wayne is showing more outward passion, says Richard. Uh, Starmer is passionate, but in a quietly, quietly way. I'm not sure it's quite the same thing. Um, well, she once did an interview with the Sunday Times magazine, which is well worth digging out if you haven't read it, where she basically says, I overshare, Keir undershares. And uh, <laughs> as good a description of the two of them as has ever been coined, really. Uh, well, let's go back then into the last question. The last question from uh, Deputy PMQ's Unpacked. Uh, this is Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Madam Deputy Speaker, not a word of apology. No sense of responsibility and not even a shred of shame. The reality is, while people in Britain feel more and more unsafe, he seems to spend all of his time trying to save his own job and none of his time on his actual job. And it's not just me that thinks so. The Prime Minister clearly doesn't trust him to deal with antisocial behaviour because he's given that job to the levelling up secretary. The way things are going and reports are to be believed, this might be your last PMQs. So let's look at the highlights. A 
a criminal justice on its knees. The largest court backlog on record. Rape victims waiting for justice. And through it all, he managed to wrap up 24 formal complaints from his own civil servants. So can he say today, will he walk before he's pushed? Madam Deputy Speaker, one thing never changes. She always comes with a usual bluster and political opportunism. Let me, let me tell, let me tell the right honourable lady what we've been doing, what I've been doing this week. We've delivered new legislation to support the victims of crime, including rape, and to protect the public. We've delivered a plan to stamp out antisocial behaviour, and we've supported families with their energy bills. What's she done? What have the Labour front bench done? They tried to block our small boats bill, and that's the difference between them and us. We deliver for Britain. She likes to play her political games. There we are. Uh, that was a sort of classic Rainer ending then. Just, yes. just park everything else. I've just been saying, now I'm going to take the mic and uh, obviously referring to the, the ongoing, still to be concluded inquiry into uh, Dominic Raab's treatment. I think the longer, part of the problem has been, I was talking to somebody who was involved in this, it's been going on for so long that people keep coming forward, which adds to the pile, which means it's taking longer, which means more people come forward. It's sort of never ending. It's a bit like writing a book on Brexit, to be honest. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so uh, th- there's been some suggestion it might come to a conclusion soon. I mean, it would be most unlike Rishi Sunak to announce that uh, Dominic Raab was resigning, I don't know, in the middle of the Easter holidays when no one was paying any attention to, to, to politics because uh, he definitely would have done that sort of thing with his um, his tax returns. Uh, and then accusing the uh, the opposition of uh, political opposition and opportunism. Yeah, that's sort of the point really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then and then claim the, the Labour Labour Party who haven't been in government for thirteen years haven't done anything to change the country. No, apart from all apart from all this opposing, all this opposing. Uh, let's have a look at some of uh, she's just flailing, asking for apology that's uncalled for, or therefore not be forthcoming. Says Femi. Oh, she's relishing this. Says Wendy. Uh, when, this well, is both good, of those can be true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Michael says uh, whenever a politician accuses someone of playing politics, they're losing. I mean, that, that, that basically sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, when yeah. you're... Uh, yeah, she came with much better pre-prepared lines than he did. Yeah, and he, you know, I think he fought to a score draw on maybe three of the six questions um, because he knew his patch, but um, it, uh, it was a, a reign of victory, I think. And ultimately it's because uh, the government has chosen to go onto this uh, territory. Yes, because they know it's a concern to the public, but their record isn't brilliant. No, when the you know it's one of those areas where, like the health service, where COVID caused just an absolute yeah, car crash, which is one system. of the points he was making in terms of the the court system and so on. And I suppose the I mean it, the other thing is um, the the economy is not a position of strength for the Conservatives. So at least if they're having an argument about crime, the Labour Party aren't talking about the state of the economy. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, you know, and as you say, they, it, it's an interesting one where an army, you know, the Red Army is prepared to go and fly on the terrain that the Blue Army has chosen. Yeah. Um, and they still emerged um, having landed a few blows today, I think. Yeah. I think you could... Uh, I think, well, well, let us know what you think. How did uh, how did Angela Rayner do? Because um, the last one, because no, they're off them now for two weeks, aren't they? Uh, I think that's right. Do you think Dominic Raab will still be there after the East holidays? I have no idea, because as you say, this thing seems to have... Um, I'll believe it when I see it, when when the report actually comes yeah. in. Um, it's hard to see how he's going to escape unscathed from 24 complaints. But um... and Do you think... I, th- I was always struck, it was a bit on you... I was, quite, I was a bit surprised that Rishi Sunak gave him the job. It didn't feel like he had to bring him back in, particularly as Deputy Prime Minister, and sort of putting a target on his back all over again. I think that was largely down to Rob actually really burying himself during the leadership contest mm. to try and take out Liz Truss. He was... He, he was the sort of... being a, a, a suicide bomber Yeah, I mean, he was, he, he was really properly the point of the spear and did willingly blow up his own career to try and take her out and didn't succeed. So I think um, there was an element of Sunak feeling like he owed him one. Um, yeah. But yes, um, I don't... You know, uh, I was speaking to a civil servant yesterday who uh, suggested that... Uh, the number of friends that Dominic Raab currently has at the top of government could be found on uh, a farmer's hand who's had an accident with a threshing machine. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well, we'll see if that if uh, if he is still there um, after the uh, after the East debate when we're back with normal normal uh, PNQs. I wonder who it will be if it's not hit. Uh, that's a good question. Probably, probably not Jeremy Hunt. Probably not. You don't normally put the Chancellor up in those situations, even though he's... Well, Os- did Osborne do it for a bit? Post-election? Did I he do a, a very period short period. After the 2015 maybe. election? I mean, the, the Chancellor would traditionally be the highest-ranking Cabinet Minister after the Prime Minister. Um, but, uh, yeah... Well, I've enjoyed their Who do you sparring. think? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, they have been good. They have been it's particularly sort of, good. It's a bit like a double act, isn't it? You yeah. know, you've got the sort of uh, the Eric Morecambe character on one side, and dear old Rob is the sort of Ernie Wise straight man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim Shipman's still here. We've been doing uh, PMQs unpacked. It was deputy PMQs today with Dominic Rob and Angela Rayner. Lara Spirit's been watching the best of the rest, so that you don't have to keep an eye on the uh, on the on the back benches. Uh, overall, Lara, was it any good? It was, yeah. Oh, it was okay. interesting. Okay, we better get on with it then. Who have we got first? <laughs> We've got Mari back first, uh, who is obviously the SNP's Westminster deputy uh, leader who leads on uh, that story that we saw over the weekend about some senior Conservative figures uh, being kind of duped into possibly accepting very large uh, sums. Yeah, for Matt, Hanco- Matt Hancock, uh, 10 grand a day. Uh, and was, I think we'll listen to it now, but very interesting also for what we didn't hear, which was any uh, government line that went hard on divisions within the SNP. There was a minister who said to me yesterday that obviously the uh, strategy from the government is to kind of smother them with love in this respect and they're not going to bite and so I think the lack of illusion from Dominic Raab to those internal tensions was interesting so we'll just take a listen to that now Deputy Leader of the SNP Mari Black Thank you Madam Deputy Speaker and I also wish to send my warm regards to the family of Paula Grady, the legendary drag queen for all he's done for my community I also want to congratulate Hamza Youssef as he becomes first minister of Scotland as the as the first Scots, Asian and Muslim to hold such an office, I'm sure the whole house will send his warm regards. Now, in recent days, video footage has emerged of the former Chancellor and the former Chair of the 1922 Committee offering their services for £60,000 on top of their MP's salary. The former Health Secretary offered his wisdom for £10,000 a day. Going once. Can I ask the Deputy Prime Minister, when he is inevitably booted out of office, what will his going rate be? Ah. <laughs> well, can, I, can I welcome her to uh, the, the Chamber? Uh, the, system of, the system of declarations is there to ensure transparency and accountability. And, of course, the Conservatives backed tightening up those rules uh, to make sure that there couldn't be any lobbying... Uh, but can I also join with, accept uh, uh, to take her up on her uh, tribute to the, first, uh, the new First Minister of Scotland. The Prime Minister spoke to him last night. Uh, we welcome him to his place and, of course, the Government will want to work constructively with him in the best interests of the people of Scotland. Well, it's a bit of a shame we didn't find out what Dominic Raab's uh, going rate going right was going to be. It's quite a good joke, though. <laughs> Quite a joke. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And the second question that we uh, won't listen to on that, but the follow up was uh, Dominic Raab very much enjoyed making some of the uh, shadow front benches squirm by reference to their outside earnings, with particular reference to obviously uh, the quite sizable sums that uh, the shadow foreign secretary David Lammy has made that too. Means. So it's fair to say that both enjoyed that series of exchanges. It's touching though to hear, wasn't it, in boasting that oh we tightened up the rules? Well, they tightened them up because Boris Johnson. Uh, <laughs> Tried to get Owen Patterson, who had mm. been caught banged to rights by the um, Standards Commissioner, off the hook and yeah. changed the rules to protect him. And when it all blew up in his face, they then tightened the rules. Yeah, to tighten the rules instead. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yes, it's good to see they're now owning that. Uh, we should explain the reason it's deputies today is because uh, the funeral of Betty Boothroyd, the former Commons Speaker, is, is taking place this lunchtime. So, uh, Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, and Lindsay Hoyle, the Commons Speaker, are, are attending that, which is why it's a sort of uh, deputies, deputies day at uh, uh, PMQs. Where are we going next, Clara? We're going to Chris Bryant, the Labour MP, uh, who asked a question about uh, drag queens and uh, I think pulls uh, Dominic Raab into a slight pickle as well as an illusion on uh, what sort of cultural issues we might see them go on in the next election. So, have a listen. Excellent. Let's take a listen. Sir Chris Bryant. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. I don't know whether the Deputy Prime Minister ever met Lily Savage um, or has ever spent a night out at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, but Lily was... I can take him sometime if he wants to go. Um, the, um, but it's a well-known gay pub yes, in, a, in South London. But, the, um, but Lily was performing at the height of the AIDS crisis in 1987, 
um, when police officers raided the pub, arrested her amongst others. Um, they were wearing rubber gloves because supposedly they were protecting themselves from contracting HIV from touching gay men. Lily amazingly said at the time, um, oh, lads, you've come to do the washing up. That's great. Um, her alter ego, Paul O'Grady, campaigned acerbically and hilariously for elderly people, for care workers, um, against oppression of every kind. Isn't it time we in this country celebrated our naughty, hilarious drag queens and comics yeah. of every kind who inspire us to be a better and more generous nation? Yeah, I thank uh, the Honourable Gentleman. I totally agree with him. And uh, Paul Grayson was an uh, incredible comic, but he also. But, but Lily. But, Paul O'Grady. But, but in terms of Lily Sadge, also, I think some of that comedy broke glass ceilings and broke uh, boundaries in a way that certainly politicians would struggle to do. So I agree with that. I also think it shows how we need uh, greater, more rambunctious free speech, and we need to avoid the wokery and the limitations on comedy, which I'm afraid both of them would have had no time for. Well, well, that was all a very good point, well made, apart from getting his name wrong. Um, <laughs> Dominic Roberts of the generation that remembers Larry Grayson, another yes. gay comic. Oh, well, they're all the same. Shut that door, he shut, used to say. Oh, yeah. Never quite clear why, but um, um, he to, did. To, to, all I, over I, the I wouldn't necessarily have had uh, Dominic Roberts down as a Larry Grayson nope. fan. Maybe he did used to enjoy the... Um, the generation go. Interesting point that um, uh, Lara, what, what Chris Barnum was doing there is there is this sort of cultural row now going on as ever it started in America. We seem to be importing it here about drag queens and how if a drag queen re reads a book in a library, this is a terrible outrage. It was interesting in that question, wasn't it, that uh, Dominic Robb seemed to, at the beginning, be taking quite a warm and, and similar approach to that pose and the question by Chris Bryant. Only after uh, getting that name wrong and being forced to correct himself did he uh, go on the line that it was somehow related to the kind of, you know, these woke culture wars uh, that we see. And I think there'll be a number of um, conservatives, especially, who might not necessarily take so kindly to that approach. But I wonder if uh, making that mistake and being wrong-footed on that uh, name as he was kind of maybe was one of the reasons why he took what might be regarded as potentially insensitive. Uh, uh, and I've uh, hot off the WhatsApp. Hot off the WhatsApps. It's not even clear he was a Larry Grayson fan. I'm told Paul Grayson was a former Leicester rugby player who played fly half for <laughs> England a fair bit and was back up to Johnny Wilkinson. Well, there we are. So there we go. He may not have had any recollection of the Generation game. He may just have had a rugby player in his mind. That would that make spoils slightly it a bit, sense. doesn't it? Slightly more sense. Uh, can we hear it? Can we hear that again? Let's just hear it again. Yeah, thank uh, the Honourable Gentleman. I totally agree with him. And uh, Paul Grayson was an uh, incredible comic, but he also... Well, no, he wasn't there, was he? But at best Lovely drop like... goal. <laughs> Can we have a one, just have it one more time? Yeah, thank uh, the Honourable Gentleman. I totally agree with him. And uh, Paul Grayson was an uh, incredible comic, but he also... Well, there we are. There we are. I suspect the internet is going to enjoy that all day to know. Oh, there's one called Paul Grayson. There's a columnist at the Mirror as well, apparently, called Paul Grayson. It's it's just that, I mean, you know, what can I tell you? This is live updating. I mean, updating. it's hard to know it, what's more likely, that Dominic Raab watches the Generation game, reads the Mirror or watches rugby. I think it's more likely the rugby, isn't Probably it? Probably the rugby. Well, thanks for that, Lara. I enjoyed Thank that. You. We covered a lot of ground there. Uh, Lara Spirit there, and you can catch Lara in your inbox. 2.30. 2.30. Uh, with uh, the PMQ's Unpacked Redbox special. Uh, Times subscribers can just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash redbox. Somebody's just texted in saying, do you ever get names wrong? Yes. Yes. And uh, you're more than welcome to take the mic when I do. Uh, and people do, I believe. And people do. Is that very, very much so? Very much so. You haven't uh, lit up the Twitters for a while. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Timmy Mallet. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, Chief Political Commentator of the Sunday Times. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, see you in a well th three weeks. Lara Croft. Lara Croft. Thanks so much for coming in. Excuse me. <laughs> Slightly more complimentary I'm than doing... Timmy Mallet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of another famous Tim. Hemman. I'll take Hemman. Hemman. Yeah. Take Tim Hemman. Fist bump. <laughs> we, I really think this could be your year. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.